Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen. Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups. It's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Blog Talk Radio. there for a little bit. I know some people think, wait a minute, what station did I tune into? A top 40, top 50, top 100? You know, some P-Funk, Rock Funk, whatever. But no, you know, I figured I'd just set it up a little bit. People was going on side, you can't see the banger. 
coming to you live and direct from downtown Los Angeles, where it's about 85, 9 degrees outside. The sun is up, but I haven't been out and about to enjoy that heat. But I plan to later on today. A friend of mine, Theodore, has a photo shoot going on up the street with a girlfriend of mine named Patrick Bastian. Check him out. You might see him on my Facebook. He's from Lareef.com. I think it's L-E-R-E-E-F.com. Again, it's L-E-R-E-E-F.com. Some of his photos are a little risque, but he can do different styles, different techniques, different looks. So check him out if you're on the West Coast. See what's up. He's one of the best in the country. He did my first portfolio, so I'm definitely going to shoot with him again. People, what's going on? How are you guys doing out there? Uh, I haven't done a show on Congo in a little while. I'd like to thank all you guys that have been checking out the Resurrection uh, Life series. I didn't realize it was going to explode the way it did. I'm going to have to make a, a regular show because I haven't really done a regular show since the side to being a symposiums about two years ago. It's been a little difficult with filming and things like that to keep it as consistent as I would want. And I like to be on a schedule so you know we'll be on air. You can call in, do your thing, and what have you, and we can just do what we do best. People, today's show is what? Uh, <laughs> Deja Kivu. People, is it my imagination, or um, does what's going on in Congo look awfully familiar to what we've gone through before years back during the first rebellion in 96 the second rebellion or let me clarify that the first invasion in 1996 by rwanda the second invasion in 1998 by rwanda and uganda the fallacy that's called a peace deal um that took place uh, after the assassination of ldk have we seen this before i mean correct me if i'm as they say in the movies but correct me if i'm wrong if i'm wrong cash but didn't we go through this invasion with, with what's his name? It ceases to amaze me. It, it, it does. never ceases to amaze me how the things that are being reported in Congo, it's as though people have forgotten <laughs> what's been going on in Congo all these years because now we have, uh, what's that group called, uh, M23, who's uh, supposed to be doing some business in the DRC. Uh, why are they named M23 before I forget? Well, you know, they're named M23 because that was the date of the last peace agreement where the CNDP was supposed to be integrated into the Congolese Army and these guys were going to be given positions of leadership, you know, Captain, Lieutenant General, and that's about it. But for some reason, the guys seem to feel that Congo's end of the bargain wasn't upheld. Now, mind you, the, the, the folks from, um, or what do they call it, M, M23, or used to be CMDP, or whatever you want, NBC, whatever you want to call them, these guys so happened to have positions that were based around mining fields and things like that, you know, where all the minerals are coming out. So what they were doing was extorting the local population, taxing the local population, raping, murdering the local population, and conscripting young boys to be child soldiers and young ladies to be sex slaves, sex wives of Bushwise, whatever you want to call For some reason, they just seem to have felt that that just wasn't enough. So what happened was, well, let me give you an up. Let me give you a little, um, a little feed, a little update on uh, what's going on in DRC right now. So let me give you a, a few newscasts here to uh, bring you up to speed of what's been happening. Because again, today's show is called what Deja Kivu, and we have. Seen this before. You almost don't even want to talk about it because you're like, 
We're going to be talking about three months from now, but let's listen to Peter, um, Peter Gress' report from Goma, if, if you will. We've been talking to uh, officials from M23, and they've told us that they're moving troops down from the north towards an area known as Kibumba, which provides a kind of natural defense to the north of the city, and that's certainly where we understand the Congolese forces are now preparing their defenses. Um, they were also told that M23 is also moving its troops into an area known as uh, Masisi, which is just to the west of the city. This is important not just because it, it provides access to the western edge of the city, but also because this is a traditional stronghold for the Congolese Tutsi. There's a strong Tutsi community up there, and this is an area where fighters from M23 know well from previous expeditions up there. The UN is moving some of their special forces units up into Kibumba and also to the northwest of the city. Um, these are there's some special forces from Uruguay, from Guatemala, from Jordan, and they're they're taking positions around the city to join the Congolese government uh, troops. We're also seeing inside Goma itself a number of armoured vehicles taking positions in key intersections. Now the UN has maintained a fairly heavy security presence in the city for years, but the very uh, obvious security presence in the form of these armoured personnel carriers is something very new, and I think it's it's trying to to to, to place a very visible uh, stamp of control, if you like, over the interior of the city, if nothing else, to, at least to make people within the city feel safe. Yeah, well, you know what, feel safe, let's talk about this. There's about 15, what, 15,000 UN troops there in Congo, if I believe correctly, in a country the size of Western Europe or the country the size of the east of the Mississippi United States. Sierra Leone, I believe it was, one of, those, one of the West African nations got about, you know, almost as much troops in their country, and they're about as big as Kinshasa. No disrespect, but in reference to size, it's pretty much how it is. Now, the problem with these guys is the reason why a lot of these guys actually like being on the UN mission force in Congo is they get a regular salary. They get paid to be there. They're making more money as part of the mission, as part of the UN mission in Congo than they would in their home, their home country of India, Pakistan, Guatemala, wherever they may be coming from. But they're getting salaries in, in Congo that's way above what they'll be made in their own country. That's what it comes down to. So the UN, become, you know, appears in Congo all these kind of years, and they've done some things here and there, you know, good. You know, they fought back some uh, incursions into some of the eastern cities, but also bad by uh, engaging in child sex trafficking and things like that in eastern Congo. So let's 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 not um, act as though um, they're there for the benefit of the country at large. Okay, let's let make it really clear. Now, conversely. During the report here, I mentioned the Congolese Tutsi. This is very interesting because I had a conversation with a colleague of mine from uh, Nigeria uh, the other day at school. And something I had brought up was the Congolese Tutsi. During the first invasion when the governor in the eastern Congo, and for those that don't know, I'm going to give you a little, you know, a brief, 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 brief uh, update of uh, uh, background of what happened uh, back in 96. But essentially what happened, the governor in eastern Congo said, in one of the provinces said, you know what? These Tutsis here are just are trying to, you know, be an extension of Rwanda and the Tutsis in Rwanda. They need to go. And as that, the Tutsis in, Rwanda, in Eastern Congo up, you know, started to rebel, raised up arms and started fighting the, the governor, what have you, the Congolese, what have you. And, around, and around, you know, it was around that time that Gami over there in Rwanda decided, you know, this is the best opportunity to get rid of, get rid of Mobutu and take it into Hamway and the FDLR and, you know, ex, ex far the Rwandan army, the forces of Rwanda in Congo, so we're going to invade. That's kind of it in a nutshell. It's not linear, but that's pretty much in a nutshell. Well, the issue was that the Congolese Tutsis were debating the issues of citizenship. They're saying, you know, we've been here for 200-something years. We're Congolese. We're Congolese. Our children have been born here. We're Congolese. Okay. Well, here's something that's very interesting because during the invasion, 
most of those guys that were protesting against the Congolese government because they said they were Congolese and should have to leave joined with the Tutsis that invaded from Rwanda. So what message do you think that sent to the Congolese population in that region? These guys are actually Rwandans. They're loyal to Rwandans. They want to fight for Rwandans, and they want to be Rwandans. Case closed. Now, the situation also extended in that the Congolese Tutsis who were against the invasion became very nervous because they knew there were going to be repercussions towards them, which is happening right now in certain parts of the East. But the interesting thing of that conversation we just heard from Peter Griss in Goma was what? The Congolese Tutsis and the rebellion, of which many have came from, the CMDP, have moved to a region where there's a lot of Congolese Tutsis. And all this is is, is perpetuating this thing that these guys just want to look out for the interests of the Tutsi. They want to look out for the interests of the Tutsi and Burundi and Rwanda and Congo. Case closed, knock it down, that's what's going on. That's the message they are sending. Right or wrong, that's their intentions, but that's the message they're sending. So when you have Robera send a delegation to Kinshasa to talk to the people, the government of Kinshasa, it's very ironic because this is the same Robera who approximately about two years ago when the Burundian Tutsis, when the Tutsis were massacred in Burundian refugee camps, he went to Kinshasa and said they should build a monument to the Tutsis that were massacred at that camp. They should build a monument to them in the Kivus. Now, he didn't say anything about a monument to the Bahutus that got killed, the Congolese that got killed, the women that got killed, raped, and murdered, the men that have got killed, raped, and murdered, the children that have got killed, raped, murdered, and conscripted into child soldiers and sex slaves and bushwives. No. Rubera wants to march into Kinshasa and say, we need a statue for the Tutsis that were killed in Burundi. And now he's saying we need to have a conversation, some kind of peaceful dialogue on behalf of the Tutsis in Kivu. Then all of a sudden people want to start saying that, I believe it was on Jason Stern's blog I saw a little while ago. It wasn't his post. It was someone else's post that posted on his blog. And he gives great information in the interview. I saw an interview he did uh, with um, an organization out of England that escaped me. But it was him, Kambala was on there also. And another, I think another gentleman was on there. I could be wrong. I could be wrong. But this is on his blog. But it wasn't written by him. But what stood out was the part where they were talking about anti-Tutsi um, um, phobia where they were comparing it to anti-Semitism, saying that there's a, there's, a, there's, a, there's a negativity towards the Tutsi this, a negativity towards the Tutsi that. And it was very interesting because it's very, it's very easy to say that in a sentence, in a paragraph, but you need to put some background behind where, where that statement is based on. And essentially what's happening is that people are just hearing these guys are coming from Rwanda, these guys are Tutsis, these guys are pointing Tutsis in Congo, and it's escalating from there. And these young kids, of which 65% of the country is under the age of 15, they're now equating – it wasn't Tutsi anymore. Now they're equating the invaders with being Rwandan. And my fear is that another genocide is being, is being created right now that's going to, come up, it's going to pop up down the road. We've already had micro-programs going all over the eastern Congo, and, but yet people want to talk about the genocide of 1994, not looking at the extermination that's been taking place in Congo right now. So I digress. Let's go a few more words here because I want people to think it's just about me. But what's your thoughts on this? Give me a call, 646-595-2892, 646-595-2892, or you can chat with me on our, uh, our kind of like uh, saying the same thing twice, correct? <laughs> so, but listen, give me a call, send in an email, send me a text. Uh, we're going to modify the chat room because sometimes when people see all the people in there, they start arguing. So I like to allow it where it's only uh, one individual can see their particular login and not argue with everybody else. But people, we've been here before. 
We've seen this before in the Kibbutz, and it goes on. And now they're talking about a report from the UN or whoever, the Security Council, saying that Rwanda is supporting the rebellion. I don't know a Congolese anywhere, anywhere that I've conversed with that not, has not been saying this for the last couple of years. But we have to be careful now because, as I've always said, I don't blame the Rwandans and Ugandans up front for what, what they're doing in Congo. I blame the Congolese that helped them do it. Let's get it straight. These guys would have never dared invade Zaire, as it was known back then, or Congo now, if they didn't have Congolese that betrayed the country in support of them. Clara Pashi, Ilunga, I think it's Emil Ilunga, Wamba Diawamba, Onusumba, Ondekande, we can go down the list. All these guys switched sides back in 96 and 98 and joined the invasion. It wasn't a rebellion. It was an invasion. Where are all these guys right now? I think Alunga's on some website, uh, Kimba Vida, or last I saw, you know, Dempo Shea was in um, King Leopold's Ghost talking about what was going on with what the Belgians did and acting as though he had nothing to do with the invasion. But that's going to be another show. People, it's their Kibu. And I think maybe there needs to be... Um, you almost don't even want to do a show because you know why? We're going to be talking about this in about, what, two months? So let's take it back just a little bit and tell me for all my Congolese people out there around the world and all you guys that are emailing and texting and stuff like that, uh, tell me if this sounds familiar. Our government have betrayed his people. It's a betrayal. And if the government didn't have to be back from that and to accept to liberate Congo, we are going to fight this government even if he was elected. And if they can uh, kill Mkunda or whosoever, but this shout of freedom will continue to cry. If I can get it by talks, it can be a, go, a, 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 good, a good way. But if not, we are ready to give our blood. So when you are thinking about Nkunda protecting Tutsi, yes, I am. And I have to accept that. And I have to protect Tutsi. But the way to protect Tutsi is to have friends in other communities. Is to look for them supporters from other communities. Is to work with others so that they can uh, accept them like brothers. Ah, uh, yes. That would be General Nkunda. You all remember him from, I think it was night, was this about recently, like 2000. 2008, around the time Ben Affleck wrote an article after he, I think he had visited Nkunda, if I recall correctly, and said that Nkunda made some points. Yes, it would be that General Nkunda. I believe he was, he was uh, uh, Rwanda arrested him, quote-unquote. And the last, I believe, uh, Nkunda was, uh, was seen was somewhere in some hotel or some, some place that's not in somewhere in uh, western Rwanda. I, I don't know. But apparently they pulled Nkunda out 
to replace them with Bosco, General Bosco in Uganda from the CMDP, who, by the way, is a fellow Tutsi. Uh, what's his name in Kunda? This was a couple of years ago. We're hearing the same thing now again. <laughs> what's going on, people? It is so... It, it, like I said, you almost don't even want to do a show, but let, 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 let me give you an example here. General Kunda was saying that this is after Joseph Kabila was elected president. And he was out there in the east uh, in Kunda doing whatever he was doing. The minute he felt that his power base was being threatened, he decided to do a rebellion against uh, President Joseph Kabila. And then when people, when Congress said, you know what, we're just going to arrest the guy and get it over with, well, Rwanda decided to do their civic duty and arrest Nkunda. The problem is, the last time we, you know, when, when they arrested Nkunda, who popped up, Bosco. And for years, people have been talking about, we need to arrest this guy, Nkunda. And now they're saying for years, we're supposed to arrest this guy, General Bosco. Taganda. They're both the same guys. They're both these Tutsis. And they're acting as though they're defending the country. When all they're doing is looking at a particular ethnic group, which is so unrighteous because there are so many people in the Tutsi community that have that they, they have no interest in supporting Rwanda or Nkunda or what have you. As far as they're concerned, they're Congolese. But now they're being put between a rock and a hard place. Let's, let's give you another another listen here. Let's go to uh, Voice of America as uh, Paul and Deho, um, and he talks about Bosco and uh, Taganda. Here we go. So it's been there. Why now? Mm-hmm. I, I think Is it's it connected perhaps with the recent, uh, um, some have called them non-elections in the Democratic Republic of the Congo, or a selection of elections? Uh, I, I think for me personally, I think it's laughable for a president to be calling one of his generals to uh, the arrest of one of his generals. I think that's uh, laughable because uh, the, uh, Bosco Ntaganda is not uh, the, on, the ordinary kind of guy. They know where he lives. They know the kind of troops uh, or the kind of power that he has. So what is important, uh, really, uh, I think the government should go ahead and arrest him rather than suggesting or telling people that they are calling for his arrest. It's just laughable. Paul, you know um, Bosco Ntaganda? Absolutely. Personally? Yes, sir. Uh, you were once on the ground in the neighborhood uh, where Bosco and uh, Rubanga operated. What kind of person is he? What makes him tick? Uh, he's a very, very charming guy, very likable. And I think that's why he has been able to work for pretty much every single rebel group that has operated in Eastern Congo. Uh, more recently, even working under the leadership of President Joseph Kabila. So uh, he carries himself. He's a very flamboyant guy. He's a showy guy. He likes to you know, carry himself like the guy who has everything. And uh, the one thing that uh, uh, from my interactions with them at the time, at the time they were young junior officers in the, in the ranks, but he's the kind of guy who, who knew what he wanted. So he was ready to go after what he wanted. And I'm not surprised that he has risen through the ranks to the extent that uh, he's being uh, wanted by the International Criminal Court. What about reports that uh, he and his colleague uh, uh, Thomas Rubanga actually used to get support uh, from Rwanda and uh, at another point from Uganda? 
Uh, Any truth in those reports? Uh, there is no question. Uh, absolutely. Uh, they were all supported by uh, two governments, uh, the Ugandan government and uh, the, uh, the Rwandan government. Uh, when you look back, uh, uh, these uh, governments who are pitting uh, these rebels against each other, uh, they created a, a, a sort of a class divide and rule kind of style to be able to take uh, control of uh, the mineral-rich uh, uh, eastern part of Congo. So. Basically, their support, uh, for me, that's why I've already said that uh, uh, rather than going after the small guys, they should follow the money. Yeah. They should go after the guys who are really supporting these guys. Because Congo has, the UN had an embargo on Congo. For all these years, there's been an embargo. But uh, does it surprise you that these guys continue to get arms? Is it true that uh, Bosco and uh, Thomas uh, belong to the Hema group, and they were fighting against another group called the Lendu? Yes. Uh, to maybe let me give you a little bit of history between uh, the two groups. Uh, the Lendu are traditional uh, agriculture, subsistence farmers uh, who live in eastern Congo. Like the Hutu in neighboring Rwanda? Uh, absolutely. Then the, no, actually the Lendu are more connected to the Alu in, uh, uh, in uh, uh, northwestern uh, Uganda. Uh, because they are closer to the Ugandan border than they are to Rwanda. But in terms of the mode of production? Yes, they're subsistence farmers. They, 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 they live largely on uh, subsistence farming. Uh, whereas the Hema, the Hema are traditionally uh, pastoralists, uh, cattle keepers. So uh, when you look back into history, these guys immigrated from different parts of uh, uh, eastern Central Africa and moved to Congo in search of pasture to graze their cows. So when they reached there, they started fighting over small pieces of land, and that's where the conflict started. The conflict did not start in the 90s or in the 2000s, when these guys were heavily involved in the killing. But the conflict goes back even 100 years before, uh, before colonialism. Now, that's just a recent show we've um, interviewed that was on, I believe, about a month ago. And you can hear the dynamics that's being said in the show. Sorry about that. I was actually leaning away from the microphone. <laughs> so, people, you know, it's it's just, it's, let's take a commercial break here. And then we'll come back and allow some music for you to uh, to uh, take in your thoughts. Let's do a little uh, liberation here. <laughs> Yo tikeli moni na yoke Ata bato bako bomana kasi mbuna maya kutikala demu Yumoto bakana na toko kabwana te akapa sibise moko kanga motemo lelo komyo kendo tikanga nani yotiki bafota na motema na ngabumwana Mama Ude Mabaya, Papa Dejano Makukula na Metra Wijo Luabeya, Wakilin Ekudi Mama na Latifa na Adis Elni de Makukula. Ebele ya Bambula, Tobani Nana Yo, Mokolo Moko Osma, Yobosani Manso, Lo Yenge ya Moki, Ezipi Obomoye, Yozoyo Tate. Yo 
Nothing has changed. This person gets replaced, another person replaces them. This person gets replaced, gets arrested, another person replaces them. And the equation of this whole thing is Rwanda, 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 Kagame, 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 Uganda, Uganda, the colonies of each It's dumb. You know, we need a paradigm shift in this stuff. Because the only people benefiting this is these foreigners and these Congolese that have enriched themselves and these NGOs who are over there treating us like we're a bunch of welfare people living in an alley where they need to be fed that don't know how to feed ourselves, that don't know how to house, house ourselves, that don't know how to educate ourselves. Have no, we have no future. We have no religion. We have no vision. We're just laying there to be saved by some freaking foreigner who's like, hey, give me $5 and I can feed a freaking family for a month. This is dumb and it's insulting. And it's like, what is going to... What is it, I think it's just going to take one, two, three, four... Some maximus like gladiator type Congolese that's like, you know what? That's it. We're trying to do with the movie Once Upon a Time in the Congo. There are other folks doing some stuff out there. But I don't understand. You have crisis in the Congo that I believe I saw their last viewing was 122,000 views or clicks, what have you. But then I'm seeing these other videos that are just nonsense that have to do with nothing. They're getting like 2 million hits. I mean, what's going on? Am I, what's going on here? We have people out there getting annihilated. So your cell phones don't overheat. So your laptops don't overheat. 
so you can play your Xbox, you can play your PS2, you can play your Black Ops, you can play these dumb games that have no relevance in your life and whatnot, but the people are being murdered to dig up those minerals so you can have your fun today or when Madden comes out 2013. This is dumb. This is why I say, Seja Kivu, we've been here before. We're going to be here again. And we just keep talking about Congolese as though we're not doing anything. Really. Leisure Balela built a hospital in Kasai. Mutombo built a hospital in Kinshasa. Come on, people. This is, this is, this is, this is, this is, uh, it's, it's amazing. Noella, with her found Jason, GMF, built an all-girls school, I believe, in Lumbumbashi. My younger brother, LucasSouthEduCongo.org, and, and Yanga built a, have another school going on in Lumbumbashi. But all we're doing is portraying these stupid images of us like we're a bunch of savages and need some help. People are going to teach us democracy. They're going to teach us to speak for ourselves. They're going to teach us leadership. They're going to teach us education. They're going to teach us how to fish. Come on. You didn't see any of this stuff when Zaza was there. I'm talking about the Zaireans, those that do not know. Come on, people. <sighs> what can you do, right? All we can do is keep doing what we're doing. But there's something fundamentally wrong. And my challenge to a lot of you Congolese who are born here in the United States, you have American citizenship, okay? Start getting involved in politics. Start running for assembly, Congress, school council, whatever you want to run for. Start getting involved in the process. It's one thing to keep begging the American government to do whatever they want to do in Congo. Because I know that the foreigners have cut off aid to Rwanda. That's fine. Okay, now what? We wanted, we wanted the Americans to speak on it. Now it's being spoke about in, in D.C. Now what? We wanted these foreign governments like the British, the British uh, government who was treating Rwanda as though they were an extension of Britain. They were so friendly with them. Okay, they started cutting off some aid. Maybe it wasn't a lot, but they still cut off some aid. The Netherlands has always been cutting off aid to Rwanda. Okay, so we have all that kind of stuff. Now what? No, serious, now what? My Congolese that were born in the United States or born in Britain, whatever, Start getting involved in the political process. Run for assembly. Run for your neighborhood council. Get on the inside. I've seen more Congolese talking about Dwight Howard than talking about the destruction in the Kivus. They don't care about no Dwight Howard. It's not going to benefit me. When I hear folks talking about, well, we don't want him, and we don't want him, and, you know, we wanted some Like they're on the lake. Come on, people. Look, it's like this. I was at an event a little while ago. That was falling whistles downtown. All right, I was invited by two glorious young ladies who I met at our recent Independence Day uh, celebration out here in LA. Okay, I went down there. I can see the passion in them and other organizers. And the funny thing is that I saw a whole myriad of coaches in an alley in downtown LA. I believe it was on a Friday night or a Thursday night. I believe it was a Thursday night. I met a fellow Congolese, uh, Congolese there who came some time ago. Cool brother, had a cool vibe, uh, Ease Moya. He was there. I think he's doing some media stuff now. Hopefully we can connect. But it was myself, uh, uh, Yambo, uh, Jules, Madame Chantal, her son, and Ease. I don't see any other, I don't saw any other Congolese there. It was like, it was just us. I met some folks. I met a Japanese couple from Congo Justice. I met some other folks showing the love. They're doing that. They're doing what they do, talking about the trip back home. But people, this is to you directly who are Congolese. Our brothers and sisters who are advocating, such as Fallen Whistles and Enough, Race Over Congo, and these other organizations, as fine as their work are, they can go to Congo and come back here. 
we have Congolese who are there that can't leave. So Congolese, it's your brothers and sisters who are dying. If you were born here in the United States, get involved in the political process. What are you afraid of? The Asians have it where they have these super PACs you haven't heard of, where if they're running for city council in Boston, L.A., Seattle, they all will put their resources to get that individual on the inside of the political process. We're too busy on the outside, marching in front of Washington, where we could be inside Washington because we are now a, a, a Senate, U.S. Senate, state senator, what have you, a councilman or something like that, or an alderman, something. Come on, people. Let's take a break here. Not a musical break, but let's go on some inf- other information here to uh, keep you more in the look, in, in, more in the in the, uh, the loop here. And this is a re- reference to uh, the U.N. and Congolese fighting the rebels um, near Goma. I believe I have this correctly. Peter Gruska is live in Goma for us. Peter, what's the U.N. been saying about the strike? Well, in fact, we understand that they weren't so much um, shelling uh, or artillery strikes, but they were airstrikes. The UN is telling us that they sent three helicopter gunships alongside two gunships from the Congolese Army, also known as the FARDC. Now, the UN is saying that they were preemptive strikes, that they weren't in response to any attack by the rebel positions. We don't know what the outcome of those strikes was. <coughs> Excuse me. The UN, the UN won't even confirm exactly what those locations were. But uh, the UN ambassador, sorry, the, amb- the uh, UN special representative to the region, uh, Ambassador Roger Meese, has just been giving a news conference in which he defended the actions. He was saying that the UN had information that suggested that the rebels were continuing to move troops into positions that threaten the city of Goma. It is quite clear that the advances and actions of the M23 uh, have and continue to pose a serious threat to civilians. And we are certainly committed to use force as indicated and will continue to do so uh, in furtherance of of that mandate and, again, working uh, clearly in a very close collaboration with the the FARDC. And, Peter, the UN's mandate is to protect civilians there. This seems a very robust interpretation of the mandate. It certainly seems that way. We've been, it, we've, what we've seen over the past week or so that we've been covering this story has been a very forward, very aggressive-looking um, UN, uh, UN operation. We've seen the UN uh, armoured vehicles right on the front lines fighting off the rebels in Bunagano. We saw them um, setting up uh, rear defences in the town of Rutshuro. And we've also been on the front lines around Goma watching them prepare their defences with, uh, with very close coordination with the uh, Congolese military. So it certainly looks to be a much more aggressive UN than we've seen, but I asked Ambassador Meese in that news conference whether he felt that that, that was, uh, it was an aggressive interpretation. He insisted that this really is simply a, a, a consistent continuation of the kind of policy that they've adopted throughout. He said that they had conducted similar strikes in the past, but I have to say that this certainly does to look, to, to me at least, to be a much more forward-looking, much more um, aggressive UN than we've seen for a long time. Peter, thank you very much. Peter Gresta, live for us in Goma, in North Kivu province. Oh, um, let, me, let, me, let me clarify something here. I'm happy the UN is being aggressive at this point. They had the mandate to be aggressive all these years. Maybe once or twice they go out there and do some stuff. But it's not like, you know, it's, I'm not taking love from the UN. 
But let's not make it seem like they're out there every Friday laying it down with the foe. Now, some people will say, where's the Congolese Army? Well, here's the problem with the Congolese Army. It's not the Congolese Army itself. Well, you know what? Let me give you something else here. Let's talk about, let me give you a clip here that, um, that we can uh, expound upon as we talk about the Congolese Army because some people seem to make it seem like the Congolese Army is just some organization that's just there. And they want to slice everybody that's in the Congolese Army, right? Okay. Well, we have to understand the Congolese Army as, as it's made up. Many of the elements, particularly in the command structure, are former rebels or Rwandans. Let's get it, let's get it correct. There have been par- there are parallel chains of command in the Congolese army. What that means is you have the Congolese army over here that has their chain of command, and then you have those rebels within the army that have their chain of command over here of the people that they will listen to only. So what happens is that if I decide here from L.A. and I have the Congolese army with me, and it's filled with a form of rebels from the CNDP or whatever you want to call them, who are aligned with the new rebellion called M23, then when I decide to make a move on Compton, these guys, these former rebels, are going to call their compatriots in M23 or CNDP and tell them we're coming. They'll tell them when, how, why, and what time we're coming. So when we get there, we've lost the element of surprise. This is why there's been a challenge of the Congolese Army for these people. They're fighting not only the, the rebels themselves or the invaders, whatever you want to call them. They're fighting elements within their own ranks who are, who are, who are pretty much ratting out the army. Come on, people. Let's, 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 let's not... Let's not Get, let's get not get it twisted here as though the Congolese Army is laying there. Because it's the same Congolese Army that was totally against Mixage. For those that don't know what Mixage is, Mixage is when they want when we had the peace trio, the peace treaty, what they want to do, they want to integrate the rebels, the CN, you know, those folks, whatever, into or the invaders, into the Congolese Army. Where in the world do you see this happening? Where the West is involved, did they, did they integrate the, the Saddam's Ba'ath Party military into the, uh, the Iraqi army when they got rid of him? No. But when it comes to Congo, look what they're doing. This is dumb. This is, this is, this is, this is, this is, this is you know, this is, this is. You, sometimes you just wonder what more can we possibly do outside of what people think needs to be done, Right. Let me give you a little clip here. I'm not too sure. I may have uh, played this already before, but there was a conversation that uh, some rebels had actually retreated from a town. I may have played this clip already. I have it queued up here. Uh, Joelle is not in the studio with me today, so I'm kind of doing things uh, on my own, and she has her own system of doing these things. And the way she does it is so it flows like butter. When I do it, it's like putting butter on burnt toast, and you're tearing up the bread. So, <laughs> this may be the clip right here in reference to the retreat from the strategic town. I'm not too sure, but let's find out what's going on here. The Rumangabo Military Training School is the Democratic Republic of Congo's most important army base in the east of the it's country. The We'd heard that some 2,500 soldiers had run from the base as the M23 rebels approached. It hardly seemed believable. But the base appeared to be empty, abandoned by soldiers seemingly unwilling to fight a committed and well-equipped enemy for a government that had done little to reward their sacrifice. 
The condition of these barracks tells you a lot about why the morale of the troops was so fragile. There are none of even the most basic of human comforts. There was so little food that the troops were forced to supplement it with these vegetable patches and they haven't had running water here for the past four years. The troops' quarters hinted at a very tough life. In one room, a pile of dry grass served as a crude mattress. In another, a few sticks lashed together became chairs. But then we found Sub-Lieutenant Congolo Nadiami, one of the two most loyal soldiers in the Congolese army. We are among those who are teaching the soldiers. We were not given an order to leave. Those who wanted to go went. But as leaders, we couldn't leave. His friend and colleague, Komayombe Kaposho, was the only other soldier who refused to abandon his post. Both know that M23 rebels have the camps around it and they can't possibly fight them off. They plan to stay put regardless. Kaposho's sparse room was home for him, his wife and four children. He might be staying, but he sent them to Goma, where it is safe. So now they wait and the rebels aim to push on to Goma, the provincial capital, 50 kilometers south. But for these soldiers at least, the priority is to find enough food to keep them going until the rest of their unit returns. Peter Grester, Al Jazeera, in Rumangabo, in the Democratic Republic of Congo. Hey, give me those two guys. People can laugh and say they should have ran. Give me those two guys. Like, you know, we're the, we're the leadership. We're not abandoning. But conversely... The army, money, no money, no support, no nothing. People, that's not by that's not by accident. All right, when you have people on the payroll who aren't there, but these generals are stealing their money. You know what? Give me those two guys. Give me those two. They're like, yo, let's get down. But there's a lot of people like that in the Congolese army because they were out there for like four years anyway. But they're not being supported. So why should they fight? They're like, well, who am I going to die for? They'll die for their family, but they're going to die for the flag? Come on. This is dumb. I got an email here. I got an actually uh, um, in our chat room here. I got a uh, chat where someone asked about uh, uh, two things actually. One about the video I had mentioned, Christ in the Congo, and two about Congolese getting involved in the political process. And they wanted to know what I meant in terms of viewer. What I meant was uh, Christ in the Congo. I think has about a hundred thousand clicks, understand views, what have you. And they're you know they're, you know combined those guys are trying to you know give knowledge about what have you that's ha- that's taking place in the Congo. You know, they're trying to give you an idea of the paradigm that's taking place in, in, back in DRC. All right. So, if you, know, if you don't know, that's just one venue. But what I've noticed is that it gets like about 120,000 hits. But then I see these other videos that are talking about nothing serious 50,000, 75,000, 100, 200,000, 300,000, 400,000 hits. About nothing about except for some Anglo girl lip syncing a rewrite to Jennifer Lopez's I'm Into You. What, really? <laughs> Come on, man. I mean, I could probably go do a video of myself shooting a bonobo and a gorilla in Virunga Park in Congo and probably get half a million viewerships. And have people saying, I am outraged that he would kill those two defenseless animals. And I'd probably get a half a million hits um, by Monday. But there are videos out there trying to talk about what's going on back home. 
and they're barely getting a hundred thousand clicks. What's this? Some on one hand, we're talking about almost ten million dead. On the other hand, we're talking about a, a, a bonobo and a gorilla being killed by me and Varunga. Not that I've done it. It's a hypothetical. So I want some folks out there talking about it. my guy. He confessed to a crime, and I'll get five hundred thousand. My God, you tie a, a gorilla to the tree. Here they come. They want to. They basically want to throw you in, in the in the Kivu Lake and let you drown. We're at ten million. We're talking about with almost almost hundred years, including Leopold and those little those little bitches. A hundred, what almost like what twenty million Congolese being with people. You can talk about the Holocaust all you want. We have an extermination going on. But you know what? I'm not going to implore people to do stuff anymore because I, I kind of like to paraphrase Zuckerberg on Facebook that when he said, you know, if you invented Facebook, you wouldn't invent you would have been a Facebook. My is, if you wanted to do something for the Congo, you would have done something for the Congo all the time. You don't care. As far as you're concerned, it's a bunch of black folk or it's a bunch of African, a bunch of savages dying over there among some tribal conflict. And the only benefit they have to you, if you can go over there and convert them to Christianity, Islam, Buddhist, or Judaism. When the human duty of anybody on this planet is to do what they can to help defend the defenseless or those who are being done wrong in an, in, in an environment that is their home. It's just disgusting. That's why I named the show Deja Kivu. You know, Deja Kivu. So we've seen this before. We've seen we've seen urine reports back in the early 2000s. Now we're seeing urine reports now, and it's saying the same thing. Conversely, to answer the second part of the email, what I said was the Congolese that were born in the United States, who are of the political bent that are out there advocating whatever, run for office. Get on the inside and make change from the inside. Sometimes I think that my American brothers and sisters are very frustrated with the advocates when it comes to DRC because it's their own government that's supporting the people doing it. And they're kind of like, okay, what do we do? I don't know what that feels like. But when I talk to some of my colleagues, I can sometimes hear the frustration in their voice. But my thing is don't give up. Keep doing what you're doing. Change will come. For Congolese, we have to remind people that it's our country. We need to be at the forefront of this of this movement, whatever configuration it may have. People have to walk beside us or behind us. They can't walk in front of us because if they're the ones that somehow endeavor our liberation, what's it going to mean to us if we didn't, you know, do anything for it? We've been shedding blood, sweat, and tears. For a long time now. And all we see is now they're talking about Uganda is hosting a, a summit where a neutral force was supposed to go into Congo and address these rebels. But you know the neutral force is going to be composed of Rwandans, Ugandans, and those folks that don't want to see a strong Congo. Because when the sun goes down, what's going on is that people don't want to see a strong Congo. That's what it's really about. And we have Congolese who are helping them do it. That's what that's That's what hurts the most. And yet, we have not given up. We still fight on. We still move forward. We're still part of the battle. But what's the point of this whole thing if we're talking about the same thing a year from now, during the next election? What's the point? How many more people do we have to see annihilated history? 
We don't even honor our soldiers. The Americans are honoring their troops. Other places are honoring their troops. We don't even honor our soldiers who have sacrificed, like those two gentlemen we heard about earlier. We don't honor the veterans who have sacrificed, you know, during both wars, both invasions. We're not honoring anybody, which is why I do the, my, that's why I do my colony's memorial every year, so we can honor our people. But people who are free to make a difference. You want to stay in the land of free? Then you're free to either do something or to sit down and not talk because you don't have a right to bitch and moan if you're not doing anything. When you're seeing the same people advocating for the DRC, particularly my fellow Congolese, you're asking yourself, how are they, what goes through their mind when, those, when, the, when the night comes and they're wondering where the support is? Here we are. Now we have people saying, cut off funding to Rwanda. Done. You and he talk about Rwanda looting. Done. Need to arrest Bosco on those guys. Done. Now what? What do you, what do you want now? Now what? All right? Because you are free. We are free. And now we're to make a change.
free to make a difference, people. We are free to make a difference. We are not enslaved. We are not colonized. I mean, you have those that are colonizing the mind. Yeah, we know about those folks. Those are the ones that are betraying us. So, people, we can do this. All right? People, you know, we've been working on Once Upon a Time in the Congo, the mini film, since 2007. We've had people come in, come out. Actors come in, come out. Actors come in, come out. Be there for one shoot, aren't there for the next scene. It's been a challenge. And we've had, um, let's see, Phil Nelson, Solange, Joyce, out of the three people, and uh, yeah, out of the three people who put in some money back in 2007. The rest of it, it has been me. We're going to do a little crowdsourcing, see who wants to get down, put in so we can finish the mini version, and then do the feature. But I take no salary from it. I'm just putting my own money into it because I have to do something for our country in whatever way I, I, I can do it. If it's advocacy, I do that. I also do films. I'm using a film. That's what I want. Somebody else did. But it's my resources and God and the ancestors. You're using your resources. But to those folks out there who are wondering what they're going to do, how many times are you going to keep looking in the mirror and saying well, someone has to be done? It's like Joseph Mbongo said, what can I do? He asked that question, I think, at a, a Harlem event that had to do with DRC. What can I do? And I love that question. Look in the mirror and ask yourself, what can I do? And go do it. There's nothing that's going to stop you but you. All right? Look in the mirror and ask that question, what can I do? Side Cassie the Bing in Los Angeles, thanks for tuning in. Thanks for the love. Let's take this off air. People, make that change. Make a difference. Little Wayne, talk about look in the mirror and, and, and what can be done. I'm gone.
Lucky. Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.